Please tell me that I can't, that I won't, that I fail, that I'll never make it out, yeah. Please tell me all the bad, never good, fill my head full of every single doubt, yeah. What's up and welcome to the Workout Nerd Up. I'm Julio Lopez. I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist, a certified personal trainer, and I have my master's degree in nutrition. We're going to talk about a couple things. The first one we're going to talk about is our weight loss challenges. Are they good or bad? One of the things that a lot of them promote is rapid weight loss. There's a lot of science that supports and defends rapid weight loss. Other science that doesn't so much defend it. Also, training until failure. Is that something that you should be doing all the time? Or should you? how should you be addressing training until failure? Sometimes, all the time, or never. Finally, we're going to be talking about why you should row. So this is something that is near and dear to me. I rode in college from uh, at UC Santa Barbara where I absolutely fell in love with the sport. There are benefits to it, showing that it's great for cardiovascular health. But the biggest caveat is learning how to row. But and I'm going to be talking about why you should row. Hopefully I can convince some of you guys to start rowing on the rowing machine at the gym or joining a rowing team at whatever lake or river that is near your town. So let's talk weight loss challenges. Are they good or bad for you? I'm almost certain that you've seen some advertisements talking about promoting a weight loss challenge to help people lose weight really rapidly. Here in my town, there's one particular, I get the advertisements all the time on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, where they're promoting a 20 pound weight loss in six weeks. What I know about it is a person makes a $300, $400 deposit. If the person was to meet the weight loss goal, they get that deposit back. If they do not meet that weight loss goal, then the gym gets to keep the $400 deposit. This could add an incentive for a person to want to lose weight, that to actually get to lose weight, but there's some stuff about it that has health experts like myself a little queasy about promotions like that. Sure, it can get a person to lose weight, but is it really the safest way and should you be doing it? So first off, you have to understand, in one of my previous posts, understanding why it is that you want to lose weight. If you're trying to lose 20 pounds in six weeks, why is it that you want to lose 20 pounds in six weeks? What's so important for you to lose those 20 pounds in such a short amount of time? And also, is your body going to reject that weight loss? Are you going to regain all that weight in the long run? Should you be more patient in your weight loss? What are the what are the detriments or the benefits of losing weight loss rapidly or or losing the weight in a more gradual sense? So there's a study that was published on the British Journal of Nutrition. It's titled "The Effects of Gradual Weight Loss Versus Rapid Weight Loss on Body Composition and RMR." RMR is short for resting metabolic rate a systematic review and meta-analysis. So in case you don't know about studies, uh, systematic review and meta-analysis, they basically take a whole bunch of studies where they look at them. They have their criteria that they're trying to look at. Here, the criteria that they're looking at is comparing gradual weight loss versus rapid weight loss and how it's going to affect a person's body composition. That's uh, like their body fat percentage and the resting metabolic rate, so how it affects a person's metabolism. As you age, your metabolism does 
tend to slow down. So they wanted to make sure that, that there weren't any other effects that could decrease a person's metabolism from rapid weight loss or gradual weight loss, or if there is any type of effect that the length in terms of the the rate of grad, of weight loss that a person undergoes when they're trying to lose weight. So one of the things that we know about weight loss challenges is that they are fast growing. Like I said earlier, they you see them all the time. You've probably seen a couple of advertisements, even uh, advertisement right now before you start, started watching this video or maybe the day before. And um, there's a big reason for this. The demand is there and it's easy to advertise. Most people, especially Americans, we like everything here now, right now. We don't want to sit and wait for stuff to actually happen. That's one of the reasons why you have not so many people wanting to run a full marathon. But if it's just like a one mile fun run, you'll get a lot more people wanting to do that one mile fun run than the full marathon because you'll have to dedicate a lot more time having to run that full marathon instead of the one mile fun run where you could you probably don't even have to to train for that you could just do it on your own and be able to finish without any problem and with gradual weight loss versus rapid weight loss it's common for a person to fall off the wagon we see it all the time every new year so every new year you have people seeing wanting to set a new year's resolution i'm gonna lose 10 pounds this year this this is it this is it i'm gonna it's gonna happen and they start these weight loss challenges to help push them to being more committed to follow through with that weight loss unfortunately when a person doesn't lose weight quite as rapidly as they had desired this may cause them to start losing some steam and their motivation on their weight loss journey and as the motivation starts to decrease so does their effort in continue to training here come the the excuses the i'm too tired i had a long day at work i think i pulled a muscle those types of excuses that over time could lead a person to give up on the weight loss journey with a rapid weight loss uh, weight loss challenge where it's just losing a whole bunch of weight in such a short amount of time that can for some people get them to commit to their journey for the long run for other people they get to their goal even if they succeed they will decide hey i met my challenge i did it i look great I don't need this anymore. I'll just be able to continue working out on my own because I don't want to continue paying this gym $400 or whatever they're charging. I'll just join uh, Planet Fitness where I'm just going to be paying $10 a month and just work out on my own. And it's not a problem. I already know what to do. The only thing is that as evidence in this study is that that's probably not going to happen. So with rapid weight loss again the good thing is that you get to see result results quickly and you get to feel good good about yourself you get to post all these pictures of yourself with your brand new body feeling the love from all your friends and family co-workers saying man you look great they're coming up to you at work hey you lost a lot of weight you look great your clothes are fitting a lot looser than they used to you're more energetic you accomplished something good on you but here's a bad about 
losing weight loss rapidly. As shown in this study, as you can see, when a person loses weight rapidly, their resting metabolic rate tends to slow down. So what does that mean? So let's say you consume your RMR is at 2000 calories before you started training. You started your weight loss journey. By starting a weight loss journey, it started because you're on a fast track diet that has you cut down the calories. A lot of these weight loss challenges uh, lead people to reduce their caloric intake by a good amount. It, let's say it's f by 500 calories. So now you're consuming 1500 calories instead of the regular 2000 calories and you're adding in the exercise to it so you're you're burning an extra 500 calories roughly over the course of the week you're averaging about two three four pound uh weight loss each week and that's what over time will help you get to losing those 20 pounds over the six week period the only thing is that the body adjusts it identifies that you're consuming fewer calories than before so it's going to want to extend the life of each calorie to be able to to operate at its optimal level on the more limited amount of food so it's going to slow down the metabolism so think of it this way say you're you're doing a whole lot of work, but you're not consuming a whole lot of calories. So the body's going to try to extend the life of each calorie. And that's what leads it to reduce its RMR, the resting metabolic rate. So it's burning calories a lot more slowly than it did at the beginning. So one of the things when people that are totally new to working out, they're more likely to burn fat faster than a person who's got a more training experience and they're able to build muscle a lot faster than people that have more training experience so that's one of the reasons why like the bodybuilders the the mr olympia type bodybuilders on a really good year they might gain just like one or two pounds of muscle each year so because they're all so peaked so close that's why they're not like somebody who just started working out who might be able to gain like 20 30 pounds of muscle in a year now going back to to this study with the slower metabolic rate let's say you're at now instead of your body burning 2000 calories it's now burning 1500 calories at the end of the weight loss uh, challenge, if you're continuing to consume just the 1500 calories, you'll be fine. You would, I uh, theoretically, maintain that weight loss. But if you reduce the exercise activity, the resting metabolic rate is going to remain the same, but you're not going to be losing quite as many calories. So what that means is that that caloric deficit, which got you to lose the weight initially, is not going to be there. And you're actually going to be in a caloric surplus. And then if you stop eating the really strict diet the, that had you lose weight during the weight loss challenge and you're starting to eat more, more calories, you're going out drinking with your friends more often, you're going out eating more often, or you're just generally eating more than you did during the weight loss challenge that's going to extend expand that caloric surplus and therefore lead you to be gaining more weight so again imagine you start at 2000 calories 
the resting metabolic rate is at 2,000 calories, and now it's at 1,500 calories. Theoretically, you could be at 2,500 calories, and each every two weeks, you might be gaining two pounds each week. So after a couple months, not only would you regain those 20 pounds that you lost during the weight loss challenge, uh, theoretically, you might actually have gained more weight over the course of the uh, of the term after the weight loss challenge. Another thing that this study identified was that rapid weight loss is not just fat that's being lost. So some of it actually includes muscle, and this makes total sense. Since you're in a such a caloric deficit and you're increasing your exercise activity, your body needs more energy. And once it gets to its end where you, it's already burned up all the calories from the carbohydrates that you're storing, uh, the, then um, it will start fishing for other places to, to get more calories. Some of it could come from fat. Some of it could come from muscle and start breaking that down. And that's what that would contribute to such a giant amount of weight loss. Yes, you hit the 20 pound weight loss goal, but you may have lost some of the muscle that you would rather have wanted to keep. And when you're, and since you've lost some muscle, that'll actually also contribute to the slowing down of the metabolism. So you're not going to be able to burn calories as as effectively as you would have otherwise had you been more gradual in your weight loss. With a gradual weight loss goal, still reducing the caloric intake to get into a caloric deficit. I usually recommend people just go for like 200 calories below your resting metabolic rate with the activity uh, factor. So based on your activity level, that's going to affect your basal metabolic rate, uh, your resting metabolic rate. I mean, you don't want to be just at your resting metabolic rate because that's basically how many calories your body burns if you're just like sedentary at a desk or just watching TV on the sofa. You want to include the activity factor, which say you walk your dog every night or you go to the gym three, four times a week. That's going to raise the amount of calories that your body burns. If you're going to add on some more activity to that and decrease the the amount of calories just below that basal that resting metabolic rate with activity factor, theoretically you'll be able to increase the caloric deficit and therefore add on to to the amount of weight that you're able to lose. With a gradual weight loss, say you reduce your calorie intake by 300 calories and you increase your Act, uh, your activity level, your exercise to burn an extra three to five hundred calories, three to five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred calories during each workout. Adding those together could increase the amount of caloric deficit and lead towards weight loss from fat. By with your diet, by increasing the amount of protein that you're consuming, this will help allow you to maintain the lean muscle that your body is carrying. So like the person that went on the weight loss challenge that lost their weight really rapidly and some of that weight came from muscle, a gradual weight loss program uh, person 
will be consuming more protein that will help save maintain some of that muscle that they're carrying since they're in a caloric deficit it makes it very unlikely that they'll be able to increase a lot of muscle mass if they're totally new to working out there is a there is some evidence that that could lead to increased muscle but right now if weight loss is the goal that's not really the biggest most important thing the first thing you want to focus on is the fat and if you want to build trying to build more muscle then you could focus on increasing the amount of calories you're eating to feed the muscle to grow a lot bigger so i hope that i kept it simple enough for you to understand i know that some of this stuff can get a little technical especially when i'm throwing around terms like basal metabolic rate resting metabolic rate and things like that if you have any other questions please feel free to reach out to me uh, like i said i know that some of this stuff can on paper it looks a little looks really simple and you think that you got down pat but when you look at the science it can get really technical and really complicated for most people again if you have any other questions about this please feel free to reach out to me. Just hop on my website and you can get a hold of me. The second topic we're going to talk about is training until failure. I see so many posts on TikTok where these really young TikTok influencers say, I always train until failure. If you want to grow muscle, you got to train until failure. You don't have to train until failure. But the science does support training until failure may help increase uh, muscle hypertrophy, muscle size growth at a higher rate than if you were to train with a few repetitions in reserve. So what I mean by repetitions in reserve, let's say you have it set, your bench press is at 100 pounds and you can only lift the 100 pounds for 10 repetitions until you're totally at failure. There's, you're just not going to get that bar up after you hit 10 repetitions. And if instead of going until 10 repetitions, you went up until eight repetitions, that would be two repetitions in reserve. So you've got 10 repetitions as your repetition max for 100 pounds. If you only do eight repetitions, that leaves two repetitions in reserve. So a lot of strength and conditioning coaches actually promote their athletes to stop with repetitions in reserve instead of going until failure for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, obviously, are injuries. One of the most common injuries that happen to either elite, collegiate, high school, or rec recreational weightlifters are injuries from overreaching. When you're overreaching, you're basically making yourself work harder than you're able to sustain at that at that level. So you're trying to do training that is too advanced for you at this certain time. So let's say if you're just a high school uh, a high school athlete and you're trying to train 
at the same level of some Olympian. You have to realize that that Olympian has so many more years of training experience that their body is more capable of sustaining the stress of high intensity training than a high school athlete is able to sustain over an extended period of time. So that's one of the reasons that can lead a person to overreach. One of the biggest benefits of training until failure for increasing muscle size is that this maximizes the volume that a person is lifting. So volume is huge when it comes to to growing muscle. That's one of the biggest reasons, one of the biggest things when it comes to the workouts that can lead a person to be able to gain more muscle. And if they're going up to their absolute limit, theoretically, that would mean that they can maximize the amount of muscle growth that they're able to get from their from their training but there's also things that you also have to consider so when it comes to exercises that require more technical uh, expertise in doing such as a squat or a deadlift this is where a person has to be a lot more careful about training until failure. So one of the reasons why a lot of strength and conditioning coaches encourage their athletes to stop with repetitions left in reserve is that going until failure, especially usually around one to two repetitions in reserve, that's where the technique starts to break down. So you'll, you'll start noticing a person whether they're squatting or deadlifting, their back's starting to bend a little and their knees starting to cave in a little, things like that. Some little technique breakdowns starting to pop up because the person is, their only goal is to try to hit the maximum number of repetitions. Like when you see a lot of weightlifting competitions and if you're really to look judge them only based on the quality of their technique, there's a really good chance that all of them, their technique isn't that great. It's not because they're not, they're not proficient in doing these workouts. They're absolutely proficient in doing the, their workouts. Like, like half Thor Bjornsson deadlifting 1,105 pounds. That's, that's totally, <laughs> that's the epitome of of technique proficiency because there's no way that he would even have been able to train to a level that allows him to lift that much weight if he wasn't technically sound. So I digress. Like I said, during the competitions, because they're really only doing, doing their one rep max, their only goal is to lift that weight for the one repetition. And that's why... Yes, technique is actually going to break down and it's common. It doesn't mean that the person is going to suffer an injury during the competition. It's just that person is doing everything that they can to get the, the weight up. But you're not in competition. If you're, if you're just training in the gym, you shouldn't be trying to go for the maximum weight in a repetition, in repetitions, the maximum repetitions in certain weights all the time. Because as technique fail, as technique starts to break down over the course of an, ex an extended period of time. So let's say you've been training until failure for five years, and you've been racking up those repetitions 
where your technique has been breaking down after a certain amount of time, that's going to add up in the long run. And that's one of the reasons why you have so many people, especially recreational weightlifters, having uh, suffering from chronic back pain or knee pain, shoulder pain, because they've been pushing themselves so hard for so long without allowing themselves to stop short of their point of failure. One way to increase the amount of repetitions you can do until failure is by increasing the rest time. So this depends on how much weight you're doing or what type of training that you're doing. Are you going to be doing heavy weight, low repetitions or lightweight, high repetitions or somewhere in between? Someone who is somewhere in between will have will usually range between 8 to 12 repetitions and the rest could could range anywhere from 90 seconds, 60, 90, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, 3 minutes, somewhere along those lines. If a person is doing much heavier weight, they might need, require 3 minutes and above, probably 3, 4, 5 minutes. A lot of the power lifters, like from the World's Strongest Men competitions, since they have to train to lift a whole lot of weight, some of them actually rest for 10 minutes or up to 15 minutes. So I'm sure actually rests a lot longer than that. So does this mean that I'm suggesting that you shouldn't train, train until failure? Absolutely not. There are some exercises that I would encourage that I do encourage my own clients to go until failure. But you have to be specific about which exercises that you're the person is doing. My biggest thing that I'm looking at is safety. Is this person at risk of suffering an injury if they go into failure? If they're doing something like a, a deadlift, there's a high risk of injury in that exercise. Uh, if they're going until failure, if they're just trying to pump out as many exercise, as many repetitions as they can, as opposed to somebody who's just doing like a preacher curl, a single joint exercise. I would feel way more comfortable with them going into failure with that because there's really nowhere for them to go. Their arm is already resting on the bench and all they're doing is moving the, the weight up and down. There's really no hardcore technique specialization that is necessary with the preacher curl as opposed to something like the deadlift. Also, if a person is doing something with lightweight, so let's say I was having a person go 20 to 30 repetitions, uh, so hoping that that range will get the person to failure by doing just a goblet squat. Since the weight is already light enough for the person to be able to get at least to 20 repetitions, I can feel comfortable that that person probably isn't going to suffer a, a, an injury as detrimental as if they were going for their three repetition max on a regular back squat. And most machines are, are designed to allow people to be able to perform repetitions until failure in a safe manner. So something like a leg extension, if you can't get the legs raised up, there's, you're absolutely under no threat of injury uh, by doing that. All you, since you're already sitting down, just lifting your legs up and down, there's really nowhere that you can 
you'll be able to injure yourself. So just remember, if you do decide to train until failure, have no shame in stopping with repetitions in reserve if you start feeling your technique starting to break down. Because remember, those repetitions, when the technique starts to break down, those they add up. And those are the things that tend to lead towards chronic injury. So just remember, chronic means that it's going to take uh, some time for it to start showing its ugly face. So if you've no, if you've got parents or uncles, aunts that have back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, that didn't happen all of a sudden. They did. They didn't just wake up. Oh, with my back hurt. No, then more in all likelihood, if you're someone in your teens or in your twenties, they are probably just as mobile, just as athletic, maybe even more so than you when they were your age. But they ignored the the precautions that could have led to the injuries that they are suffering from right now. You don't want to continue that that cycle. Instead, you want to make sure that you avoid injuries at all costs. So I hope this helps. If you have again, if you have any other questions about training until failure, feel free to check out my website, and I'll be more than happy to help. And finally, we're going to talk about something that I said earlier is near and dear to my heart, rowing. Why I think that you should start rowing. If you've been hopping on the rowing machine and you think it's easy, it's because you've been rowing incorrectly. <laughs> because every rower will tell you that that machine is the devil and it's there to take your soul. <laughs> so... Like I said earlier, I started rowing when I was in college. I just got out of the Navy, and I started attending UC Santa Barbara full-time. I was kind of looking for another challenge, another physical challenge that could take me out of my comfort zone. And that's just someone, something that I, that I always liked. Immediately, I fell in love with the sport because, yes, it was very uncomfortable that I would have our practices were at five in the morning, so that would mean that I would have to wake up at four in the morning. I'm a really slow uh, riser, so I use I need a lot of time to to get out of bed and be able to function properly. When I started running, my coach uh, Jeff Laird, who had graduated from the University of LaSalle and had worked, uh, trained with the Penn AC, one of the top rowing programs in the country that's based in Philadelphia. Uh, he was a coach for the for the novice team, the team that I was going to be part of. And he was a really great coach and encouraged me to, to train a lot harder. When I was meeting with a lot of the guys that were already on the team, they were always telling me all the time, you're going to be hating the, the rowing machine, the erg. Uh, we called it the erg. They're saying that you're going to be hating the erg. It's so horrible. It's, it kills you every single time. You, you're you not going to like it. And I took that mentality with me to one of the practices, and it was a pretty tough practice on the rowing machines, on the erg. And after practice, I told my coach, I was like, man, Jeff, I, I hate the erg. And he gave me really good advice. He said, don't say that. Don't tell yourself that you hate a certain workout or a, a certain machine because what happens when you do that is that you give it more power than it's than it deserves. 
So with the erg, yes, it's very challenging. Yes, you've got your the monitor right there staring at your face. For every single stroke that you take, it's showing you, basically showing you how hard you're working. And if you're slacking off, it's going to be right there for everybody behind you to be able to see, to check that you're, to call you out on, uh, on the fact that you're slacking off. So I took his advice and he said, you have to learn to love the erg. That way you're taking away the power and you're able to take control of, uh, of the machine. Don't let the machine control you, you control the machine. So like I said, I, I took his advice and started doing that. And now I always tell everybody, oh man, I love the erg. In fact, that year, I'd always be telling everyone, I'd be going to workouts on my own after class and telling everyone about how much I love the erg. Even though, yes, of course, it was really hard, but it was something, like I said, I was looking for something that was going to push me, and that was one of the things that helped me get there. So, why should you want to start rowing? First and foremost is that it works all the large muscles. Remember, the big muscles, they're the ones that, that burn a whole lot of calories. So, it works your back mostly as well as your legs. So those are giant muscles that you're working. And since you're leaning back, it's also working the core because you have to keep a nice stiff core. And that's also what's going to keep your back from, from suffering an injury. I know a lot of people are afraid of using the rowing, the rowing machine because they're afraid of that it's going to injure their back. Not if you're keeping your core super tight the entire time. It's actually going to strengthen those muscles that can prevent you from future back injuries and because those are such large muscles they also need more oxygen to come in from the blood so the that means that the heart has to be able to pump blood out more effectively more efficiently for it to be able to travel all through your body before to clear out all the the hydrogen ions that are the that's basically what's causing all the burning so you'll be able to continue working at a hard pace. And this can also increase your lactate threshold. So again, you'll be able to do more work at a higher intensity for a longer period of time after training for an extended period. So like I said, say if, if you're running hill sprints, there's going to be a point where your legs start to burn a lot if you're Rowing consistently, there's a good chance that you'll be able to run that hill sprint for a lot longer than you would have if you just weren't running any hill sprints at all, if you just went on regular flat terrain uh, jogs instead of running any hill sprints or rowing. Another thing is that it's low impact. So unlike running where you're colliding, hitting the floor, hitting the ground over and over repeatedly, the rowing machine is just smooth. And because it's low impact, that makes it a doable exercise for people of all ages, from someone as young as six years old to someone at 76 years old. They, those, they can hop on that rowing machine and be able to do it uh, in a safe manner, just as long as they learn how to do it properly. Also, if you're someone that wants to be able to 
to gain some muscle size, guess what? This workout can actually help build up the type 1 muscle fibers. So the type 1 muscle fibers are the ones that most attributed with, with uh, endurance type exercises. So yes, even though they're smaller, they do actually grow in size just as much. Uh, just as the type 2 muscles, which are the the fast twitch muscles and the ones that you're working most commonly when you're lifting weights. And one of the other things is the high metabolic requirements. So you could walk on the treadmill for an hour, even with that incline angled up super high, but you're still not going to be able to lose quite as many calories from fat as you would if you're on the rowing machine because the rowing machine is also requiring upper body movement to happen and it's requiring you you to to move forward and back engaging the core engaging the back muscles engaging the legs pushing off every single time for for each repetition so that's where it can benefit you if your goal is to lose weight from fat the biggest barrier for most people that hop on the rowing machine is the fact that you have to learn proper technique and for people that just don't take the time to learn then there's really not a whole lot of enthusiasm uh, growing in their wanting to in their wanting to row on a frequent level so you have to take the time to be able to row correctly and this can take uh, a couple weeks or maybe even longer for a person to finally get the hang of the rowing technique and because there's so many movements going on simultaneously for a lot of people this can be an information overload and make them just want to give up on it instead and just go back to hopping on the treadmill and walk because i mean since you're a toddler you've been walking but if you're already an adult and you've never rode before you're going to be back at square one just like the toddler keeps falling every time they they try to walk an adult it, trying to learn to row would be the doing basically the equivalent of falling like the toddler did so it's not gonna look pretty there's not a whole lot of cool points to learning how to row but by sticking to it and getting through that learning process to become more technically proficient with the rowing technique you'll be able to get all the benefits that I've been telling you about rowing so hopefully you hop on the erg and I start to see more people hopping on ergs not just because that's the hottest training exercise or whatever but because it's something that is getting getting you the results that you want. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. I hope you, it answered some of the questions that you might have, whether it's about weight loss, fat loss, weight loss challenges, um, rowing, or uh, training until failure. Again, if you have any other questions, do not hesitate to check out my website and get a hold of me. You could. You can reach out to me. I'll be more than happy to help. If you actually want to work with me, I'm here for you. So until next time, thank you and peace out.